Um, Robo, we're two weeks from Thanksgiving. Do you have plans? Um, I do have plans. Okay. I have, uh, well, since my kids no longer live at home because I'm old, they're all spread out kind of thing. Uh, one of them is married, so then you have the, like, what Thanksgiving you guys going to do? And uh, his wife has divorced parents, so it's, they're going to do three Thanksgivings that day. So it's it's a big jumble at my house. I'm actually going to cook dinner, bring it to my daughter's house, mm. and we're going to do Thanksgiving there with her and her boyfriend and, and, and his kid. And my son and his, his wife are going to come by for a little bit because it's close to where her dad is. So it's, it strategically helps them out okay. to make like a closer commute between the three that they have to do. But uh, I do the cooking. I get up. I do all the cooking Thanksgiving. That shit's mine. I own it from start to finish. So I, I do the prep the days before. I do the cooking. We eat. I do the dishes. I take care of all of them. My wife doesn't have to do anything but just show up and eat. How about you? What happens in that? Well, I mean, you you go. Well, I'm sure you go to the the family and you guys you guys cook animal carcass for a week. Sure. It it used to way. yeah. It used to be deciding between Los Angeles, Dallas, and Louisiana uh, to convene around. Um, but as you know, the family's gotten more dispersed, and uh, some of my mother's older brothers have passed away. We've We've kind of centralized those Thanksgivings in and of themselves. There's a Los Angeles family Thanksgiving, a Dallas family Thanksgiving, a Baton Rouge area Thanksgiving. So I'm in the Dallas one. What what almost threw it off was this year because of the tornado. My mom was going to host, um, but we got her in a rental house, and she's actually getting the rest of her furniture on Monday tomorrow. So I think uh, we're still going to be able to have it over there. My sister's coming in from L.A. with her boyfriend. Uh, got a cousin coming in from Chicago, and then we got the – the dozen family members and any other invites that might come through. So I, I haven't decided how many turkeys because I'm on frying turkey duties this year. So I haven't decided. Do you, do you only fry turkeys? Do you do like a traditional roast as well? I think with this variety? year we're going to do a roast and a fry. There you go. Usually I'll do the frying and it kind of depends on what we do. We usually do a roast for Thanksgiving and then a fried like the next week since turkeys go on like yeah. super sale the week after. Sure. And you sure. can get them like half as much. Now, do you draw the frying duties because you're the most responsible and will not burn the house down? Whereas, you know, cousin Sal might uh, might have a couple too many cocktails in him, and right. the danger of him burning things shit down is is higher than you. Plus, the experience. I've been frying turkeys since for 25 <laughs> years, so it's one of those things where I don't, I can do it almost in my sleep. Whereas people would have to pay attention and think, and especially if you miss a step, you got to go back and you know start over. But um, it's one of those things where I fried a lot of turkeys in my life. Fried turkeys for the Lakers one year. That was weird. When I fried a turkey for Smush Parker, what the hell was that about? <laughs> I was that was a that was a LA year. My uncle wakes yeah. me up. Have I ever told? This? My uncle wakes me up at no. like three a.m. He's like, "Hey, do I need you to get up? I'm on vacation." I'm like, "What the fuck?" I'm like, "Yeah, I need you to come with me." So I'm thinking we're about to do something quite illegal in Los Angeles in the middle of the night, the day before Thanksgiving. Takes me to my other uncle's house, Uncle Tony. Tony gets up, has me in the garage. Hey, I need you to fry some turkeys for me. Oh, okay. What? It's 3.30. It's 3.45 in the morning. How many <laughs> you need me to fry? We got to do 16. We have 16 turkeys. Okay. We only need like two or three for the family, but yeah, I'll fry. whatever. So I get to work frying turkeys, trying to stay awake, drink coffee, whatever. He comes out like six, seven hours later. Hey, how are we doing on them turkeys? Yeah, they're coming along. All right, because we got to have uh, six of them. Got to go to the Lakers. The what? The, the Los Angeles Lakers? Yeah, so much Parker coming through. He's going to pick up the fried uh, turkeys and a fried duck. Okay. Sure. <laughs> a fried duck. 
What's good? Uh, it's your boy at three K underscore here with Robo at Seattle Rams underscore NFL. What's up, man? Yeah, it's a Sunday and we're talking Rams victory, so it's it's mostly all good. No jerky, Joey. Joey the jerk was at the game tonight. He'll be missed, but he'll be back. Um, we'll 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 talk Jared Goff just because. You know, in the spirit oh, of Joey. We'll have some golf talk. It won't be fun. Ooh. And you went to Banana Republic and you did not find any golf. And I looked. So. I was looking for core temp. I was on the hunt. Not a thread. Not a shred. Not a thread. Because it sold out. Neither hide nor hair. Maybe that's what it was. Uh, Rams win 17 to 7 in week 11. Let's get a little box score action uh, for the good guys. Jared Goff was 11 of 18. Again, 18 passes, 11 of 18, 173 uh, in the early interception. Didn't get a touchdown. He actually had the one that nearly went for Cup, and then he had the one that nearly went for Josh Reynolds but got called back. So he finishes with no touchdowns. More surprising maybe than just 18 throws, 25 rushes for Todd Gurley. Load management plan. Doesn't quite get to 100 yards, so he comes in under four per. Uh, had the touchdown early on. Um and then Malcolm Brown, uh, five for fifteen, didn't add a lot, uh, but had that late touchdown to cap things off. Uh, certainly made things comfortable at the end of the game. Receiving wise, since there was only eighteen passes, there wasn't a lot going around. Uh, Josh Reynolds had three receptions on six targets. Cooper Cup was three for three, uh, as was Todd Gurley, got three receptions on three targets. And then you had a little Gerald Everett, little Mike Thomas sprinkled in. Uh, defensively, you got Taylor Rapp atop the tackle sheet with Troy Hill, Eric Weddle in there for six, and then your defensive linemen, uh, Michael Brocker, Sebastian, Joseph Day, each had five, um, along with Aaron Donald, who had four, but a much more active game, much more disruptive, had two sacks, tackles for loss, that pass deflection, he was all over the place. Uh, from the other side, got to mention Mitchell Trubisky, 24-43, they were trying. Uh, Chase Daniel comes in late in the game, went one for four. Trubisky finished with 190 yards. That touchdown right over or right behind Corey Littleton, really. Um, to, to who he got it to Rico, and I think, um, and then yeah, had did. the uh, interception to Troy Hill that was kind of gifted to him because uh, Anthony Miller deflected it up in the air. Uh, in the running game, the Rams defense did fantastic. Tariq Cohen finished nine for 39. David Montgomery, 14 for 31. They shut him down. Uh, great job up front. Receiving-wise, they were throwing the ball a ton, but didn't get a lot. Uh, Taylor Gabriel had seven catches for 57. Anthony Miller had six for 54. Tariq Cohen had uh, five for 35. And Allen Robinson, as much as they were trying to use him as a decoy with Jalen Ramsey Wolf. out there, had four catches for 15 yards. Uh, completely shut down. Um, you think he's seen Allen Robinson a time or two in his, his career? I think he, Former Allen Jags Robinson won't want to see him anymore. I think that's true. Yeah. Um, for them, Roquan Smith and HaHa Clinton Dix had most of the tackles because Todd Gurley was getting so much done on the ground, but uh, not a ton from Chicago's defense. It was more just some inconsistency from the offense and stuff we'll get to there. From the team statistics, 13 first downs for the Rams to 17 from the Bears. The Rams were 3 of 10 on third down. Chicago was 6 of 17. Uh, just a rough outing for both offenses. Obviously, when you got 24 total points, it's going to be a rough offensive game um total yards was 283 for the rams to just 267 for the bears uh and that'll wrap it up but penalty wise six for 34 some tough penalties for the rams six mm. for 34 mm. two for 25 from the bears uh and that'll about do it uh, along with our time of possession rams came in at 27 16 so the bears had it just over 32 uh, minutes to get uh, the most of possession robo where shall we start on this fine eve uh, i think you have to start um with the young offensive line. I think that's because so much of what was made going into this game, you know, Havenstein was out. Uh, we, Nopin was out. Allen Rest was in out. peace, Jared Goff. 
that was the that was the and I was as guilty as anyone just playing that up this week as you know you have Austin Corbett who the Rams traded with the Cleveland Brown he wasn't even playing with Cleveland's bad offensive line uh, a couple of weeks ago you uh, moved David Edwards from left guard to right guard to um, up into the line Bobby Evans hasn't sniffed the, a game all year and now he's starting a right tackle I mean. Coming into it, you were thinking that was going to be the story, and it was, but for a different reason, because they played outstanding for what they were and what they had to deal with. Uh, I don't think that there was anything you could you point to and just go, wow, they were just not good there. Really, really good job by that by that squad. Outstanding. And, like, what are the chances that anybody would have believed that that, that was possible? <laughs> yeah. Possible? Yeah, zero. Given zero. what we've seen and the fact that we were – so deep into our depth chart, we had three week one starters, Joseph Noteboom at left guard, Brian Allen at center, Rob Havenstein at right tackle, who weren't around. Um, and, you know, you're shuffling positions and trying to get guys that, that are going to grade out well. You got Austin Blythe moving to center where he hasn't played in the NFL. Um, man, it, to, to get a game like this, is it's, it's almost like on one hand, you're like, yeah, this is great. Thank you. But at the same time, it's like, what the hell? Where has this been? The one who who seemed to have the most mistakes tonight was your veteran Andrew left tackle, Andrew Whitworth. Mm-hmm. He was the one who was highlighted with uh, a couple of holdings and just some some plays that you're like, wow, really? Uh, yeah, really, really good job by that by that crew. And uh, I don't know if we we credit Aaron Cromer for that, but he got whoever it was got those young guys ready and uh, they performed really well to the point where you have people. Talking about benching Rob Heimenstein in his, his four years, but to me, a contract because of one game. I think we should slow the roll it's, there. It's a tough one, uh, though. It's good to be yeah, happy. I mean, here, here's the thing. I remember I asked it at the beginning of last year because we had an injury and we had a suspension. And I thought that it was interesting at the time that with the suspension, you had Jamon Brown out, Austin Blythe comes in and starts playing well. And there was this weird yeah. consensus from a, a, a strong majority of Rams fans that, look, Blythe played well enough where he should keep the job. Right. Not that yeah. I was disagreeing with that, but Mark Barron missed the first couple of games and the Rams defense was playing pretty well at the time, if you remember. And my question was, do we do, do we do the same thing? Do we say, look, ride the hot hand if it's if it's not broke, don't fix it. But people were some for some reason attached to the idea that Mark Barron had to come back in. Where, where do you sit on this? Do you feel like, look. Rob Havenstein is going to play eventually. He needs to come back. But as good as this line played, do you write him out another week or two until they give you reason to get Rob Havenstein? Or do you say, look, he's the starting right tackle. He comes back and we figure out which of those four guys needs to slide out. Well, I think this, this story is going to you know flesh itself out because Havenstein, I don't believe, will be back next week anyways. And so you're going to see a week two of, of Evans and Edwards against a pretty good Baltimore team uh, next week. I'm on that football so then, you know, if, if but if they continue it, uh, I'm sorry, it's gonna be one of those things. Yeah, Rob, what? You, it's gonna be like the cam thing, right? Well, you, make sure that knee's really good. Let's let's make sure you're completely healthy before we bring you back. And I think you probably see some of that. But you, you extended the guy. I, I don't think you're. I don't think they're looking to move on at, at this point. I just I can't imagine that McVay's gonna say, you know, you lost your job to injury, even though you were terrible. Maybe, maybe. Let's see what happens next week. I think it's a it's. I think we take it. This is a week by week basis. You're you're happy that they performed, and let's see what happens next week. Shout and out to the line. They were great. Build the build the case for it. But if they get through, they get through Baltimore next week, and this offensive line plays as well as they have, and then you get next week uh, after that as what uh, the Cardinals. 
and then the Seahawks. I think their next four games are all primetime games at home. Are their their home games are all? You've got Monday Night Football. We had Sunday Night this week. You've got another Sunday Night game with the with the uh, Seahawks, and then the last home game of the year is, or second to last is what San Francisco on Saturday. We just had that flexed, so you have a bunch of primetime games in Los Angeles coming up. Bunch. And uh, those those guys are going to be available for everyone to watch. It's it's a big stage, but. Yeah, be happy with what we got. I'm not sure that uh, we can even address Robin Havenstein yet. Let's just see what happens next week. Speaking of available to watch, Todd Gurley had 25 carries. We've I've said this every week, that I have no idea what's going on in the ground game, that nothing can surprise me, and every week something crazy happens, and it doesn't surprise me because I expect the crazy. What the fuck, Rob? He had twenty eight touches, three three receptions, twenty five rushes. The week That's, the week after he didn't get a single touch in the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter, right? And all of a sudden, oh, uh, I guess Todd Todd's all right. We our load management plan's been working to the second half of the year. Now we can now we can unleash the Kraken and and we'll get Todd Gurley back. Uh, I I kind of half I half joked after the game that uh, because of those twenty eight touches, Gurley will be inactive next week. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how how much he practices and what they do to you know to save him. But they they need to move with the way Jared Goff is playing. They need to do exactly what they did tonight: run the football. Oh, let's do it. You pay pay Todd Gurley. Let's let's just keep him going. Let's, I'd rather see twenty five rushes and, and eighteen pass attempts at this point. I really would. Let's go, Ted. I, I'm 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 getting more uncomfortable talking about Jared Goff because there is a portion of Rams fans who not only um, support Jared Goff to an extreme degree, more so than the performance dictates, but they're, they're also of a completely different view of the performance itself. There, there's a, I, I don't want to put percentages on it because I don't want people to feel like they're in a weird group, but there, there's a, there's a, a overwhelming percentage of Rams fans who look at a game tonight and say, look, he didn't play well. And it is what it is. He had that, he had a nice final drive to wrap things up at the end of the game. But before that he was, I think eight of 15 for just more than a hundred yards halfway, almost think, through the fourth quarter. I think that same group of sub fans would say that he did play well, but he was, he was, it, it cost him because of the penalty. That's right? exactly what I mean. Josh, where the, the, yeah, you've right? got a group of Rams fans who say he didn't play well, but there's there's one group who always sees it as a good performance that the excuses that get made e- even valid excuses valid excuses are are excuses that need to be made because he's not playing well right if he, if he was playing yeah. well there wouldn't be any excuses in the first place the excuses are getting made because he's not playing well but that same group always defends him but then suggests that actually he is playing well he was he was two inches from being twelve of nineteen for two twenty five and two touchdowns. It was it wasn't his fault. He, he the guys around him just had to step up. He you know it's not his fault. Cooper Cup had the ball stripped at the half inch line. It's not his fault that Cooper Cup did not cover up Andrew Whitworth on the line and, and therefore nullified a, a big touchdown. It's uh, it's also not his fault that. One of his, his first throw of the game, he threw in a triple coverage, threw it behind Josh Reynolds on an outbreaking route, and had it picked off. Later in the game, he had Josh Josh Reynolds breaking over the middle, wide open, and threw it in the dirt. Uh, Jared has not been good. He's not been good for a long time. What happened to the Jared Goff of 
last year. I think that that might be the question of the. We're now uh, ten games in. That might be the question of the year for the Rams. Is that this Jared Goff doesn't look like that Jared Goff? And I think I think the reason is pretty simple. He's our system quarterback, and the system this year isn't as good as the system last year, right? Well, the system's a lot different as well. Did you see yeah. how many jet sweeps did you see this year? This, right. this week, yeah. uh, let alone this year. I mean, it, it just they've moved away from 11 personnel. They've gone to more 12 this year because the perception of the offensive line, right? We have Johnny Munt in at fullback. Right. So they're not doing what they did last year. Uh, is it Was that pre-step motion so big for Jared Goff's ability to predetermine what's happening? That uh, that it's it's really confusing them now. I mean, is that part of it? And so I'm like, do they do they not cut the the mic off at 15 seconds anymore? They're cutting it off at 25, and he's just got to do it all. And Sean's not telling him what's happening this year because that was the story last year. Well, Sean's telling him what to do. He's watching everything for him now. He's just telling him where to throw the ball. So do they change that rule because now he's having to do it, and Sean's not telling him? It's it's really kind of puzzling because he's it's just it's a it's a tale of two cities here. You know, <laughs> it's. I don't know. I think that will be the topic all off season. We have time for that later, but it's, it's, I, I thought that during the game when we first, that first, that got that first quarter, it was like, he's, he's regressed back to Fisher era, Jared Goff, maybe not quite that bad, but pretty damn close. And I think that gets into part and parcel of that is Sean McVay. If Sean McVay is the one, you know, devising the system and putting Goff in position to succeed or fail, I think what we'd say is maybe overall, and yes, there are other excuses, offensive line chief among them, that Sean McVay hasn't had a great season, right? I so when you when you look at the offense overall, it hasn't been great. It's been it hasn't been bad. That especially especially if you get away from these last two weeks. Overall this season the offense hasn't been bad, but it hasn't been good. And I think that's the problem. You go back to last offseason where every coach wanted to try to hire anybody who's ever worked for Sean McVay. Is that is that gloss coming off? Has has the genius of Sean McVay worn off for you a little bit? I I happen to think uh that the Rams offensive coaching staff might be intact next year. I don't I'm not sure how many people are gonna come calling this year to, to cherry pick. Sure. So the Zach Taylors of the world are lucky that they got out while they did. Do you think some might get pushed out? Do you think that there might be some changes mm. of Sean McVay's volition? Oh, that's that's a damn good question. Um, and so, and that's the that's the thing you always talk about with assistant coaches. We don't actually know what they do during the week. There's no there's no microscope on those guys where we have a cam we can actually watch them. What I mean, who are they working with? How are they working with these guys? What's the feel of the room? You get some of that when you have a hard knocks or a all or nothing, but. The other, the other what thirty teams who don't have those those things going on, you you just have no idea what's happening, and that could be a fair point. Is that they've had a lot of turnover in their offensive coaching staff the last couple of years because of their success. Sure, but every team who's good has it. The Patriots have it every year. They still win Super Bowls. It's it's something you have to deal with. So is that maybe um, the youth of Sean McVay showing a little bit? Where you know what. All these these guys are being taken away from me. I'll just shoulder, the, shoulder more of the burden. I'll take it all internally, and maybe it's he's being spread too thin. We don't have any idea what any of this stuff. This is pure speculation, but uh, it, it is what it is. It's it's something that they're having to deal with, and Sean McVay rightfully is facing some criticism for the first time as the uh, head man of the Rams. Yeah, some of the play calling this week where, especially because he's w- willing to use Todd Gurley, you'd get the ball and run him three times and go three and out. 
You'd get the ball back and Jared Goff would pass it three times and go three and out. You'd get the ball and Todd Gurley would run it three times and go three and out. And it was like, Sean, there's a healthy medium in between, man. You don't, <laughs> you don't have to go this extreme and just bouncing off the walls. Well, how about the, the switch from the zone to the power scheme to help his young offensive line out? Chris, Collins, Chris Collinsworth loved it. He was all over it. Oh, my God. What is a genius move? They're never going back. Um, I think they're going back. They went back to it during the game. <laughs> <laughs> they're never going back except for like three players later when they did go back to it. Uh, but I could see I could see why that might appeal to those guys where you're not having to have your young guys have to think on their feet as much. It's like just hit the guy in front of you kind of situation. That's, you know, let's, let's simplify things. And you do that when you have so many missing pieces in your offense. Let's just simplify and, and try to do some things well. Uh, but to say that they're not going back to what they what they want to be, I think that's a bit of a stretch, Chris. All right, we've talked a lot about the offense. They were disappointing. And yet again, just like we did last game, offense, not great. Obviously, 17 points, no surprise there. Didn't play incredibly well. Is 17 points better than the three points of last week? Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> and, and I'll put it like this. They're going to need more than 17 against Baltimore, right? They might need more than 17. But here's the thing. The defense is playing fantastic. Led by? Ooh, who are they led by? They're still led by Aaron Donald. They are led by Aaron Donald. He's great. But it, that marriage between the DBs and Aaron is Donald what it is. Yeah. and the defense line, is, it's, it's improved. Yeah. And we would have said at the beginning of the year that we're going to trade Akib Tlaib and Marcus Peters in the middle of the season. And you're going to play Troy Hill and David Long and uh, <laughs> and uh, who else is playing? No, Marky Christian's going to get. Yeah, sure. You're going to miss John Johnson, and they're going to be better. <laughs> Would you have taken that bet? Because right now they're better. That that DB group now that also helps that they traded two first round picks for some guy named Jalen Ramsey, who's kind of shutting down Good his the field. But wow, that. Uh, that defensive line and that DB combo is really playing well. They're playing well together. Like, sorry, it's not just the Aaron Donald show, and, and hopefully Marcus Peters isn't giving up a big play behind you kind of thing. It's they're both they're both holding up their end of the bargain, and it's it's kind of fun to watch. I, if you look at their last, I had this stat earlier. I put it on a run sheet. I just averaged it out before we came up. Since the Forty Nine er game, their last five games, including that one where they gave up twenty, and that was the most they've given up in this stretch. They're averaging eleven point four points against on defense. That's pretty good. That's going to win you games. If you have a terrible offense, which they do right now, then you better have a really, really good defense, and, and they do. And I think, obviously, related to that, and maybe this is the surprise of the year on the defense these last five games, starting with the 49ers, the run defense. Run defense. Yeah. Remember how bad the run defense was last year and how <clears throat> how porous we were prepared for it to be because they didn't make any big changes up the spine of the defense? Well, guess what? The run defense has been fantastic. They shut down the 49ers running offense, which was at the time the best in the NFL. Uh, they shut down Pittsburgh, although James Conner obviously uh, wasn't uh, there. But tonight, David Montgomery was back. He played, yep. and he and Tariq Cohen, 23 carries for 70 yards. That's nothing. No, no, no. And – I always thought Corey Littleton, as as we've seen, he's kind of a and Collinsworth just gushed over him about his ability to cover in the passing game. But I thought he was pretty weak as a run defender. And uh, you know, Mark Barron, who we talked about before, was another guy who who got trucked a lot. Uh, now you're you're starting who you're starting Troy Reader, but you're also sliding in Taylor Rapp, a rookie out of Washington. Uh, he's playing a lot of linebacker uh, or dime with Corey. So these aren't run stuffing 
these aren't like household run stuffing guys. The boys up front, Suggestion Joseph, Joseph Days played pretty Ash well. Ash is playing really well. Really well. Um, Brockers is is you know playing the run fairly well. Aaron Donald is just a terror. But then you've got guys like Morgan Fox stepping up and playing as a role player, which you need him to do. Um, yeah, it's it's been fun to watch. It's been fun to watch that defense start to take over and do what you, you know you wanted Wade Phillips' defense to do, which is you know be outstanding. And they need it, and they're they're showing up. They're timely in, in what they're doing. So it's it couldn't happen any sooner. Let me let me do it. Let me point it out again. Do it, do Troy it, do Hill, it. not bad. I would say damn good. <laughs> he keeps doing this. And I just want to make sure we make we note it. Troy Hill's not bad at this. You might say he was the best defensive player, not named Aaron Donald. Six tackles. A sack, a tackle, tackle for loss, three pass defense, leading the team, an interception that wasn't thrown right to him. It was a, a heady play. Um, yeah, he's playing really well. Go ahead. Yeah, again, you pointed out. Uh, he gives up one touchdown. People are like, ah, oh, all right, there he is. The real Troy Hill is back. Burn him. No, he's been and good. Do that. He's been good. If, if he gives up one reception, I will get multiple tweets and I'll see multiple Ooh. comments. Oh, there's Troy Hill again. He uh, He's the reason why they felt that they – should move Marcus yeah. Peters and move Akeem Tlaib. And uh, he's he's played well, and he's going to make a lot of money. And good for him. He's earned it. Um, yes. yes. So there you go. It was, a, it was an interesting game. I think we're going to have to see, man. The challenge is ramping up now. Thankfully, the Rams got it done. Six and four. Still have a shot at the playoffs. We're going to need some help. You've got these two duos, the NFC West duo of San Francisco and Seattle, the NFC North duo of the Green Bay Packers and Minnesota Vikings. One of those is going to have to stack up some losses so we can catch up in the wild card. Um, because right now we're on the outside looking in, even with the Cowboys and the Eagles uh, sitting there kind of scraping through a pretty messy NFC East battle. Um, what do you, what do you think? Early thoughts. We'll try to get another pot out of this week with Joey about the Ravens, but early thoughts given a, how we look today, but B, and this is the scary part, how good Baltimore and Lamar Jackson continue. Oh, um, yeah, that guy's he, he's, God, he's, he's a great good. he's a great he's running good. back. He did, he's fun to watch. And he's he reminds I don't want to say Vic because you know that's sure. been played out, but just throwing the football Vic. You know, when he's accurate, it's just effortless. He just it's a flick and that thing's gone. He's uh and he's he got he's scary. He's like a joystick. I don't know if you saw the run last week. It's fantastic. In the secondary. He's, he's got, got moves, uh, man. he's got the pursuit coming and he's just left foot plant spin move and he is gone again. It just he's he is scary good, and uh, the world is going to get to watch him play the Rams on Monday Night Football. Um, we, we talked about that rush defense. Um, the one error, uh, the one, the one thing I'm really worried about that with this rush defense is if they don't have gap integrity with this guy because one mistake and it's gone. He's going to be gone, girl. And so we'll see what they decide to do today. Are they going to spy him? Do you need two guys to spy Lamar Jackson because uh, I'm not sure one's good enough. It's it's gonna be a fun, and then they've got Mark Ingram who's playing pretty well for them as a, a, a name that people will know at running back. It's it's gonna be a fun matchup.
because you've got these huge racial overtones, you could make a really, really thoughtful show about, you know, the currency of racism in 2019 and where we're going in 2020. That could be unlike, I mean, there's not a lot of shows that are dealing with the core of racism in this country. And so if they can do that and do it poignantly, yeah, I'd say this could be a really, really important show. But I don't know if they're going to do that. I don't know if they're going to get into weird comic book shit. You know what I mean? Like nerdy stuff. I I don't know where this show is going at all. And uh, also there was a huge dildo last week. (laughs) That always makes a good, for a good show. Somehow, somehow it always ends up with dildos.